We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Okay, ready? Think what you know, and it's about a time when you get yourself in a I want to it's her ratio. Okay, though. It's her ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> Well, you got to ask, Ture, why did they want the well-regulated militia? Madison, Hamilton, Jay, these people did not think that we needed amendments at all. But there were certain people, George Mason in Virginia, um, who wanted certain rights explicitly uh, protected in a Bill of Rights, including the Second Amendment. Why is the Second Amendment there for the well-regulated militia? Because the militia was the primary way for the South to put down slave revolts before the founding. See, you can't, and this, I don't think this is going to be breaking news. It's pretty hard to hold people in bondage against their will. And while the South had a numerical advantage and a military advantage over blacks in white Southerners had a numerical and military advantage over blacks in the South, um, that advantage did not hold in every little pocket of the South. So there were some places in Virginia, some places in South Carolina where blacks outnumbered their white slave owners, right? So periodically, these plantations would revolt. The way to stop the revolt was to call in the state militia. Well, without the Second Amendment, the way the Constitution was constructed, the way to raise the militia was the federal government, not the state's government. The southern states, George Mason gave a speech where he says explicitly, George Mason at this point was the governor of Virginia, where he says explicitly that the government is dominated by northerners who hate slavery. And they might not raise the federal militia to suppress a slave uprising in our states. George Mason, by the way, probably right about that. So the Second Amendment was foisted upon this country so that the states had the power to raise the well-regulated militia. That's the whole point of what the is, amendment. What, was, what is a well, well-regulated militia supposed to mean? It is supposed to mean that the states have the power to raise armed white citizens to go crush a volunteer army that's a volunteer what, force the, right the, the, they that were, is not controlled by that's not that's not an army that's not a federal army that's not controlled by so, the president or so congress more like what we would envision is like the national guard like you kind of like 
you're doing your thing, and then the government calls you and says, we need you to go do something. Exactly. And just like today- Or, or a our, police force. Our National Guard is controlled by our state governors, not by the president. As opposed to, it was not meant to be, each citizen can have a gun. Right. The point of this was, well, the point was not for individual self-defense. Legal scholar Ellie Mistal has a book that is selling out like crazy called Allow Me to Retort. He's talking about the Constitution and how it's trash and how slavery is at the root of the Constitution. So many of the decisions that the founders made and how things in this country could be designed better. It's a fascinating conversation about our government and I loved every minute of it. Let's dig into it. It's my man, Ellie Mistal on Torre Show. What's so wrong with the Constitution? It seems like a pretty solid document. I mean, is there another nation that did it better? So you just want to jump right into why our Constitution is trash. All right, let's... <laughs> Is there another nation that didn't about South Africa? Like, let's just start there, right? South Africa, right? South so the, Africa's current post-apartheid. The, the current South African constitution, the post-apartheid one. How did they come up with that, right? So, you know, Nelson Mandela gets free. We're all happy. You know, Matt Damon wins a rugby match. All of a sudden, <laughs> Morgan Freeman's president of South Africa, right? What did they do at that point? Did they take their apartheid, racist, stupid Afrikaans constitution Slap some new but for black people now amendments no. on it and move. No. No. no, they burn it. They throw it in the trash. They start over. They have a new constitutional convention. They bring in everybody, right? All, all black people, all white people, all they have representatives of all peoples from all the different territories in this convention. They take two years to write something. And they come out with it. Now, currently, what is the what are the big notions that make that? the ultimate constitution of the world to you <clears throat> fundamental human rights. It is the best constitution right now in terms of protecting fundamental human rights, the right to not just vote or whatever, the right to have a habitat, the right to be treated with decent decency and fairness, the social rights are in the South African constitution. See, people need to understand they're basically philosophically speaking, there are three spheres of rights, right? They're political rights. That's participating in the polity. You can vote. You can hold office, right? There are civil rights. Those are generally economic rights, the rights to enter into a contract, the rights to um, be served dinner at a lunch counter as opposed to in the back of the... All right, these are civil rights. But then there are social rights, the right to have a party, the right to marry, to fall in love and get married, right? And it's the social rights that consistently in this country we deny people of color, women, people from the LGBTQ community. This, in South Africa, those social rights are part of their declaration of basic human rights. So yeah, I would start with the South African constitution. I think that one's great. If you could look at the United Nations uh, Universal Declaration of Rights, which includes the rights to vacation, <laughs> the rights to, to, to have leisure time or in the United Nations Fundamental Universal Declaration of Human what Rights. What other countries do it really well? Besides South Africa, I mean, what, France is on like their fifth? The French Constitution is pretty cool. 
the, I, the like whatever what? republic they're on right now. I always, I always forget if they're like what, like what are they? They're pretty cool. Again, like so they have a lot of labor rights. Basically, most of the European nations have labor rights that we don't have in our constitution, right? So France, Italy, um, you see a lot of workers' rights. This not exactly the right to the vacation, but like the right to a fair wage, the right to certain leisures, uh, certain expectations of leisure. Um, you see that a lot in the written European constitutions. We could adopt some of that if we wanted to improve ourselves. If we were to put, let's say, the top 25 major nations that we would all name off the top of our head, is approximately where is America? Are we in the bottom quadrant or top quadrant? Where? Uh, it's an interesting question. Uh, there, there, there are studies about this, right? Um, there are democracy indexes that you can yeah. look up, right? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't want to be quoted on this exactly, but I believe the I saw one that we had us around like 13th, 14th, 15th. In the middle. In the kind of democracy index of, you know, 30, 40, 50 major industrialized nations. So what are nations. we doing so wrong? What's so wrong with our constitution? The way it currently is? The way it was written? Like what part What part do you well, want well, to Well, yeah, let's about right now. I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll put it like this. Our constitution as amended has some great ideas, some really interesting, positive. Freedom of speech uh, is a great speech, idea. Universal suffrage, you know, all of these things, great ideas, right? We have never once, not for one day, just to see how it would feel, applied those ideas and ideals to everybody living here equally. We have not lived, we, not, we have is not gone through. Is that the difference between the constructed document and the application of the document. Yes. So, and, and so you're, I mean, we, I, I, I don't really, I'm not really standing up for the constitution. I'm just trying to explore your book, but like, should we not mark a difference between the, the, the construction of the document and the application of the document? Well, let, let me, let me answer the question this way. Let's take, it's a little bit easier when we think about concrete examples, right? So let's take universal suffrage. Everybody who lives here has the right to vote. Everybody over 18, that constitutionally, structurally speaking, if you're over 18, you have the right to vote. You can't be denied the right to vote to because of race, color, or creed. You, you, create, you cannot be denied the right to vote um, because of your gender or gender identification. We certainly don't try to make it like, hey, everybody, hey, let's vote. It's, it's, it's Boom, very restrictive. Right? right? It's, it's you can't be denied. Not that you have to be given. Right. So there has been zero elections in American history where everybody who was ostensibly eligible to vote have actually been registered to vote and participated in that election. Well, in, That's, in, in most presidential elections, did not vote would beat who had the, the, the Democratic and Republican candidates. Right? Now, some of that is because people who are registered could have voted kind of didn't, right? But a lot of that is because people who are eligible to vote weren't registered for various reasons, right? So that's one kind of structural problem. But again, let's go even deeper about that structural inconsistency in our Constitution. Our Constitution still fundamentally thinks about the right to vote elections in general as flowing up from the states. So it's not, as people have pointed out, we don't have one federal election system. We have 50 state election systems that feed into the federal system. So the eligibility requirements for something as fundamental as voting for president are different if you live in New York versus Pennsylvania versus California versus Idaho. That's dumb. Yeah. That's just straight up stupid. That yeah. is an anachronistic holdover from our slaveholding, slave-owning past. We other modern industrial modern industrialized company companies. Countries. <laughs> Other modern industrialized countries do not do it that way. I right? mean, well, most of the 
most of your dissent with the Constitution stems from it was a an attempt to broker a compromise between the slaveholding states and the non-slaveholding, right? Right. So when you say so, so when you say like, what is the document flawed structurally or not? Should we kind of focus on the structure versus the ideas? I'm saying that both of them are flawed, right? The ideas haven't been applied equally to everybody, not for a day, but also the very structure of how it's designed, the federalism as it's called in the jargon. Um, where where power flows up from the states as opposed to flowing down from the federal government, that very structure ha- was designed to protect the rights of slavers to own people as property. So what are your other big problems? <laughs> besides slavery? Uh- <laughs> no, besides like voting is quote unquote promised, but not, not really, but it's not even delivered. Right. That's one of your big plans. Right. What else? Um, the police power, the, the, the idea that police power again flows up from the States. When you talk about police power, we're not just talking about having 50 different police States, right? We're talking about having 3000, right? There are over 3000 sheriff's offices in the American, United States of America. Sheriff's offices have, some local control over how laws are enforced in their little neck of the woods. And there are three thousands of them, right? So whether or not I can be, I don't know, punched in the face by a cop for violating some traffic law kind of wildly depends on which little nook of the country I happen to be in when I run the stop sign or when I exceed the speed limit, right? Again, that's dumb. Other smart industrialized countries do not do it that way. And so the way the Constitution is organized to give police powers explicitly um, to the states as opposed to accruing that power in a federal government, that's kind of dumb. And it leads to a lot of the racism that we've seen and we've seen throughout American history on the ground. And it becomes very difficult to make valuable changes, we say, we should not be chokeholding citizens. New York decides that, but New Jersey and Maryland, et cetera, have not decided that. And we can't force them to because we don't have a federal system. We have 50 right. uh, should, state systems. Should, should whether or not I can be choked to death by the cops really depend on what side of the river I'm on? Right. Like, is is that? And again, that's right. And these are we we're talking about the situations where something like chokeholds are being banned or not banned at the state level. You could also have situations where very, very kind of physical forms of police use of force varies not just by the by the by the state, but by the county. So like, you know, here here in New York, like the 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 strictures that NYPD would follow might be quite different than what happens in Nassau County sure. or Suffolk County or Rochester or Buffalo. It's insane. But shouldn't it be? Because those towns have nice white people. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and that's and that's why and that's why that's there. What are some of your other so okay, policing's a big problem. What else? I I like to focus on how the Constitution is interpreted, right? So the Supreme Court claims that it is the final arbiter on what is constitutional and what isn't constitutional. The Supreme Court claims to have the final say on how we should interpret the very laws and clauses and structures of the Constitution. Now, that power 
is not in the Constitution, which I always like to point out, right? Like that's a that's a power the Supreme Court just said in 1803 that it has now. That wasn't what it was written down as. You know, Alexander Hamilton wrote a Federalist paper where he specifically said, the Supreme Court, why should we even care? It's so powerless. Turns out it wasn't, right? So the Supreme Court accrued that power to itself. Okay, fine. Well, if we're going to have a world where the Supreme Court has this final ultimate say over our Constitution, which is not like how they do it in other countries, our Supreme Court is overpowered compared to the rest of the Western industrialized world. The Supreme Court of Canada can't strike down laws passed by its Congress, signed by its prime minister. Are you kidding me? Come on. But our our Supreme Court can. So if we're going to do it that way, then at the very least – that Supreme Court should be representative of all the people. Is it? Well, we've had 115 Supreme Court justices in American history, and 108 of them have been white men. Right. What's up with that? Right. That, is a, that is a failure of constitutional structure. Uh, the Constitution um, uh, talks about the Supreme Court in Article 3 of the Constitution. It's very broad. It says the Supreme Court justices have to serve for life, which is, again, stupid. Um, but then leaves the rest of the organization of the Supreme Court up to Congress. Isn't the lifetime appointment part of what gives the Supreme Court a sort of ability to make decisions that, in theory, would be unpopular, like a Brown v. Board? Of course, it also does, you know— Denmark versus Plessy, but but it, it could do uh, a gay marriage sort of decision because you guys cannot vote me out. So I don't feel right. I mean, like, isn't the whole the framers whole thinking of like, so the 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 Congress is short, right? The president is a little bit longer. The Senate is a little longer, right? So you get a different relationship to what the people want in a given moment. And the Supreme Court, you're on forever. So you can make those sort of aggressive decisions that might go against what most people want, but is good for the whole of the country. That is the founders original thinking, but you know what the founders didn't have Robitussin. (laughs) The founders didn't have aspirin. The founders, when they're thinking we're living longer now, they're giving a lifetime appointment. They're thinking they're giving the power for like 20, maybe 25 years to these people who were already going to be old when they were appointed. They didn't conceive of the length of American lifespans that we have at this point. So that 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 insulating power, the power to take a decision regardless of the popular will. How is that vitiated by having a term limit, a single term limit of 18 to 20 years is eight. 18 to 20 years of power, not enough for these people to, to, to take a bold decision every now and again. Um, again, and especially if they can't be reappointed, like, look, you got 20 years to do what you will, Clarence Thomas. But after that, you and your wife have to go to your corrupt, you know, nest egg <laughs> and go back working for the working for the right wing, whatever you're going to do. Right. Like 20 years is enough power for any one person in our system. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. 
Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. When we talk about the Constitution, most people would fixate and would know the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, right? First Amendment, the government can't, most people think the First Amendment means you can say whatever you want. No, that's not what it says. It says- The government can't punish you. The government can't curtail your right to say what you want. Private business can. There still may be consequences for what you say, but in um, Second Amendment, which is for the most part, you can kind of have any gun wherever you want for the most part. That, that's what people think it says. That's not what it actually says, but that's what people think it says. I'll go that far. Okay, so this seems to me to be the schism of like, what the constitution does really well in terms of the first amendment, right. And what the constitution really misses in terms of the founders were not visionary enough to see letting everybody have guns, letting all the citizens saying the citizens have to be allowed to have guns would eventually be a very, very bad thing. It depends. It depends on whether, whether we are going to look at what they wrote or how it's been interpreted. So the Second Amendment to me is a great example of where the interpretation of the, circuit, of the Second Amendment, what people have done in the name of the Second Amendment, has gone completely wrong. The Second Amendment, this idea that it protects a universal right to own a shotgun for self-defense because you don't like Negroes in your town, that was invented in the 70s by the NRA. Right. That is not how the Second Amendment was interpreted for the first 200 or so years of How this was it originally interpreted? Well— 
this is where we go back to what the founders actually wanted. So in my book, I talk about how the original the original Second Amendment says, a well, everybody knows this part, right? A well-regulated militia right. being necessary for the security of the free, of a free state. Well, so that what meant? Why did they? Well, you had to ask Torrey. Why did they want the well-regulated militia? Well, turns out, because remember, Madison, Hamilton, Jay, these people did not think that we needed amendments at all. But there were certain people, George Mason in Virginia, um, who wanted certain rights explicitly uh, protected in a Bill of Rights, including the Second Amendment. Why is the Second Amendment there for the well-regulated militia? Because the militia was the primary way for the South to put down slave revolts before the founding. See, you can't, and this, I don't think this is going to be breaking news. It's pretty hard to hold people in bondage against their will. And while the South had a numerical advantage and a military advantage over blacks in white Southerners had a numerical and military advantage over blacks in the South, um, that advantage did not hold in every little pocket of the South. So there were some places in Virginia, some places in South Carolina where blacks outnumbered their white slave owners, right? So periodically, these plantations would revolt. The way to stop the revolt was to call in the state militia. Well, without the Second Amendment, the way the Constitution was constructed, the way to raise the militia was the federal government, not the state's government. The southern states, George Mason gave a speech where he says explicitly, George Mason at this point was the governor of Virginia, where he says explicitly that the government is dominated by northerners who hate slavery. And they might not raise the federal militia to suppress a slave uprising in our states. George Mason, by the way, probably right about that. So the Second Amendment was foisted upon this country so that the states had the power to raise the well-regulated militia. That's the whole point of what the is, amendment. What, was, what is a well, well-regulated militia supposed to mean? It is supposed to mean that the states have the power to raise armed white citizens to go crush a volunteer army, that's a volunteer what, force. The, right. The, the, they that were, is not controlled by. That's not. That's not an army. That's not a federal army. That's not controlled by so, the president so or Congress. More like what we would envision is like the national guard. Like you kind of like you're doing your thing, and then the government calls you and says, "We need you to go do something." Exactly. And just like today, or, or a our, police force, our national guard is controlled by our state governors, not by the president. As opposed to, it was not meant to be. Each citizen can have a gun. Right. The point of this was, well, the point was not for individual self-defense. They Did they not consider a line saying you can't have a gun? I don't think so. I have not read anything that suggests that there was any real conversation at the founding to prohibit gun ownership. Gun ownership was not what the founders were concerned about. It was the militia that they were concerned about. So they wanted to make sure that the Southerners could put down slave revolts yep. without having to ask the president who might not, who might be a Northerner and might hate slavery. And so then when Scalia fast forward 200 years, 250 years, when Scalia in DC versus Heller, which is the right. case where Scalia invented for the first time an individual right to gun ownership for self-defense, he quotes parts of the George Mason speech I just mentioned. He just doesn't quote the slavery part. 
He just doesn't quote the part where they're putting down the slaves. That's that's the part that Scalia leaves out. So when when people want to talk about what the original intents of these slavers and colonists were, that, that's where they lose me, right? Because their original intent was often horrible and not something that we want to use in the modern age. Now, if you want to be a conservative who tells me, yes, perhaps the Second Amendment was based for was based in slavery, but it has evolved since those times to now include a personal right to gun ownership for self-defense. I will say, interesting, interesting. I am willing to hear that argument. The Second Amendment has evolved beyond its horrible, disgusting slaver's rationale. But if we're going to say that it's evolved to the point where now we can understand it to be a right to personal self-defense, surely it has also evolved to the point where we can restrict AR-15s or bazookas or tanks or whatever the hell. Like, surely this, if, if the amendment can evolve to have a whole new reason for why it's there, it can also evolve to prohibit or regulate certain things that maybe it didn't in the first instance. Yeah, the, right, the right's position on this is kind of bizarre in that they want to freeze the document in place what the founders wanted must be respected however technology has gone far beyond what they could have imagined the amount of firepower that an individual can hold is insane and surely not what they were talking about yet the technological growth should not change the discussion of what we were saddled with hundreds of years ago part of the reason why i wrote the book today is because Far too many liberals cede that ground to conservatives, cede the ground that what the founders intended or wanted was fundamentally good or just or reasonable or no, none of it. None of that is true to me. None of that is true to me. One of the, well, I have a chapter about the eighth amendment. To me, the eighth amendment is the per, is the best, cleanest battle. Sorry. Which one is the eighth? So the eighth, <laughs> um, the eighth amendment is the is the cruel and unusual punishment um, is prohibited. Cruel and unusual punishment and excessive bail. Um, and the, that one is good, right? That's a great amendment. Never been applied. The <laughs> the 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 founders, in their infinite wisdom, never actually defined what cruel or unusual punishment would be. In fact, that ain't even their line. They, that, that is copy and pasted from the English Bill of Civil Rights a century earlier. They just stole it and put it in, didn't bother to find it, didn't really think about it. The amendment itself cries out for ambiguity, right? We do not know what cruel means. We do not know what unusual means. So the originalists have to, have to acknowledge that this is an ambiguous amendment. So they say... Well, we should look at what the founders thought was cruel. We should look at what the founders thought was unusual. Surely our current strictures about what punishments are or are not or, or, or is not allowed should be based on what the founders who wrote this thought. And I say, hold up. You want me, a black man in 2022, to ask some slaver ass Thomas Jefferson what he thought was this rapist slaver. I'm supposed to ask him what he thought was cruel. That's the definition of cruelty that we are living under. And so, nah, I will ask Cal L what he thought was cruel long before I, I ask Thomas Frickin Jefferson. Are you kidding me? 
I don't, I don't give one flying anything about what Jefferson and Madison and Mason and Jay and Hamilton but thought sh- was cruel. Surely putting someone in a chair and shocking them to death or strapping them on a table and injecting them to death or putting them in a tiny box that they must live in for 23 to 24 hours a day for five, 10 months, years, whatever. Like surely these are cruel. Not to the founders. And unusual things. Not to the founders. Not to the founders. If you were a slave, you'd, you'd, take, the, you'd take the electric chair any day over them sticking firecrackers up your anus, which is what they did, which was a normal, usual punishment for slaves who are misbehaved, right? Cutting off your your feet so that you couldn't run away, a normal, usual punishment, cutting off your genitals, branding you, like all the things that these these monsters did to slaves, put pain to the lie that their idea of what cruel or unusual is should matter to modern to modern societies. Is the First Amendment rooted in slavery as well? No, not I, the First Amendment is is I I'm like, like don't don't take the First Amendment away from me, dude. I thought look, that was something that we did so good. I I love the First Amendment. I wouldn't be able to have a job without the First Amendment. I love the First Amendment. My issue with the First Amendment is is twofold. One, people act like it's the only one in yes, the world, they right? Do. And it's well, not. everybody knows the first and the second. But I'm just saying, like people. I mean, people act like America is the only pr- people that thought of this. Oh, oh, oh. It, it's not right. They got the First Amendment in France. They got they they have the right to they have the right to freedom of speech and freedom of the press in many other countries. They got it in Jamaica, man. Right. But it's very it's very American and not to say against other countries, but very American that it is okay to speak up against your leaders and your government and to say the government is doing it wrong. That is inherently an American thing to do. Right. It's in the it's a six it's a seventeenth century enlightenment thing to do, but sure, 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 it's great. I'm not I'm not saying it's wrong. I think it's I think it's a great. Is that the best amendment? Uh, no, the Fourteenth Amendment is the of best. Course, of course, right? of course, of course. Um, no, look, the First Amendment has its charms. I think that it is too often perverted because. Is that one that that's not one where you're like not for a day have we ever actually done that like. People, oh, sure, sure. People can actually say what they want. No, the, there's not because the First Amendment is. But the First Amendment is not just free speech. The First Amendment is freedom of religion. The First, first Amendment is freedom of, of worship. Let's ask our Muslim f- friends how well they think that we've done at applying the First Amendment for well, our Jewish friends. You know, let's ask our Jewish friends how well they think we've done at applying the First Amendment. Right. So no, the First Amendment is an, is one of those amendments that has not for a day been applied equally. To everybody, some people get more First Amendments than others. Sure, right. Sure. Um, and I think that one of the problems with the First Amendment right now is that it is being weaponized by the religious right as a shield for bigotry, which it was never intended to do. Like the First Amendment itself is a shield. It is supposed to protect minority positions and minority religions and people who can be shouted down in the public square. No, no, no. You can't shout that person down. They have a First Amendment right to praise Allah, to to praise Moses, to do what they're going to do, right? But the First Amendment by the religious right is being used consistently to try to take away rights from the LGBTQ community under the guise of religious freedom. And that's a big problem with the First Amendment right now. Okay, so let's – so what should be done? Should we wait? Can we talk about the best one? 
Yes, of course. I mean, I mean, like fourteenth is the best, right? Because yes. that's the other. So, so here's the thing, right? So, like the, these originalists, conservatives, whatever, they want to look at the Bill of Rights and they forget that there have been seventeen amendments after the Bill of Rights, some of which are incredibly important, specifically the Fourteenth Amendment, right? So, when one of the things is that you find you see a lot of liberals say is that well, conservatives are so good at like putting their constitutional theories in simple terms, originalism, everybody can, nobody can understand the, dem- I have, I can tell you what my, I am a 14th amendmentist or ologist, right? Like from, from my perspective, the constitution is the 14th amendment and a bunch of suggestions because if you do not have a quality of law, which is what the 14th Amendment demands. If you do not have due process of law, substantive due process of law, actual fairness, equality and fairness, if you do not have those two things that the 14th Amendment requires, then everything else you do is illegitimate. In the book, I say that I only need two amendments to write a constitution, the 14th and the first. Everything else is I can, I can do without. I can, I can, I, because, because everything else, because the 14th and the first get me to just about everything else. Right. So even take something like the 13th, right? Like you need the amendment outlawing slavery. Not if I have the 14th, 14th right there says equal protection of laws, which on its face means that there should be no slavery. Right. Well, you need the 15th. Right. Nope. Equal protection of laws on its face means that I should be able to vote just as well as any white person, right? The 14th does a lot. It's just that conservatives, and here's the problem with your amendment process, it's just that conservatives are always trying to limit the effectiveness of the amendments that we even have. When you look at the 15th Amendment. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamin a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is Mosi secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from tenderfoot tv campside media and iheart podcasts radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right? The right to vote shall not be abridged on, the, on, on, the, on account of race, color, or creed. What do conservatives do to that? They took the 15th Amendment and they put it in a drawer for 100 years and act like it didn't happen. That's what they did to your precious amendment process, right? So when you let conservatives control your country, when you let conservatives control your courts, it doesn't matter what amendments you have, conservative justices will destroy them and have in our history destroyed them.
We, we, we talked about amendments, but the core of the document, uh, pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. Is that, that's the declaration, man. That's oh, not- so, oh, well, right, well, before we get to the <laughs> amendments, is it okay? Is it, is, is the, the core? No, the core is the worst part. The worst part. The core is the part that says like, okay, we're going to have two chambers of legislature, but one, not everybody can vote for, right? That's I mean, literally without the amendments, not, you can't even vote for your senators. With the amendments, it's still Wyoming gets as many senators as California's, no which good. is stupid, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the, that's the core of the of your original constitution. Who and when people say like, "Oh, we're gonna we need to defend our constitution," what parts are you defending? Are you defending the part where you don't get to have popular election for the president? Because that's stupid. Are you defending the part where there are no term limits for Supreme Court justices or no term limits for Congress people so they can run again and again and again and again? Because that's also dumb. Like, if you actually read the document, there are problems with it. Among global democracies that we would respect, are we unusual in that we don't directly vote for the leader? Is that is that... Well, no, because you have a lot of prime minister systems where you vote for the you vote for the legislature, and then the so where the basically the prime minister, the head elected official, is is would be equivalent to our speaker of the house. Right, and we don't directly vote for the speaker of the house, but we do directly vote for all the congress people. Right, so you could argue, I would argue that. A uh, 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 voting for the House that elects a Speaker of the House is a more direct election than the Electoral College, except for the fact that we pretend that the Electoral College doesn't really exist. Yeah, we kind of do. Except unless Republicans want to launch a coup, in which case it becomes important again. Like, it's very confusing, right? And that's the other thing about, like, our Constitution. There are some confusing bits that really shouldn't be confusing, right? That if you were if you were starting from first, from first principles, you wouldn't make it kind of a little bit up in the air. Like what? What happens, like, when there's an electoral college tie? Yeah. Wouldn't it wouldn't be so like, oh, we're going to go to... I mean, here's... Constitutionally, here's what happens if there's a tie in the electoral college. It goes to Congress. But then the Congress votes not by the amount of people, which, again, are voted by based on population, but votes by the states, right? So again, in, in, a, in the event of an electoral college tie, so 269 to 269, Wyoming and their one Congress people person would get just as many votes for president as California right. and its umpteen congressional people, right? Because the states would have to vote as a delegation yeah. for one candidate. Which we could still get 25-25. Well, uh, or other, which would, of course, in this scenario, still help Republicans. Because they control, you know, thirty states. Anything? Any? Do you think any chance we could ever get rid of the electoral college? Well, you know, I write about, um, uh, uh, and really, the 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 uh, expert here is Jesse Wegman, um, who's an editor for the New York Times. He wrote a whole book about the electoral college and the attempts to get rid of it. That have ha- there have been like twenty five really strong attempts to get rid of them. Really? Rid of the electoral college. The strongest was probably during the civil rights era. Martin Luther King, I believe, he if he had lived. I believe this was something that was going to be part of his next um, thing. Uh, uh, would have been one of the things that he had to get he, rid of the electoral that, that college he, that he went for. Um, there, there have been lots of op- lots of attempts to get rid of the electoral college. None of them have stuck. Where we are right, none of them have succeeded. Where we are right now, the the closest thing to succeeding is the national popular vote compact. Uh-huh. So it's like if enough states. Because you, know, you need 270 votes in the Electoral College to win, right? So if states representing 270 votes 
all agree that they will send their electoral college votes to the winner of the popular vote, regardless of who won their state, then you have a de facto electoral uh, popular vote for president, right? Sure. And we are closer to that than we than people think. We're already at like I think we got like 199 mm. states. Mm. So we're, we only need like three, four, five more states to get uh, there. That's a long way. The, well, the problem is I think what the coup showed Republicans us, are not what the coup showed us is that all of these state rules and regulations about vote counting make a national popular vote when you still have a, a decentralized system of counting votes make that very dangerous, right? How do you really know who won the popular vote of Texas when it's up to Texas to tell you how many votes you right. got, right? Right, right. And so, in a, in a, and I'll just say this in a world where you have different eligibility requirements depending on your state, it's a little bit unfair to say that, like, well, a state like, I don't know what's a good state. Oh, Oregon. Oregon's really good with voting rights, right? So like a state like Oregon can get many more people to its polls because of its voting, its voting uh, uh, ease of access as opposed to like a state like Pennsylvania. Do you think, and I don't, just as an argument that people throw out that if, if we were to eliminate the electoral college, the very nature of campaigning for president and what a president focuses on would be entirely different and he or she would campaign in a you know LA, Chicago, New York focusing on those sort of areas and not really think about the rural areas as much. Yeah, so there I have two answers to that. One, no, it would it would definitely change where they campaigned and how they campaigned, but it wouldn't necessarily mean that LA, New York, and that the big cities were the only places that people would go. Because instead, what it would mean is that it was it would become way more important to not get blown out, right? Because yeah. that's those are the separators, right? Yeah. So what we would do is make Republicans stop getting blown out in our urban areas, while freeing Democrats from having to fight for every sentient blade of grass in Florida, right? So that's number one. But number two. In a world where we have a national popular vote, that means the president has to do popular things, and that is not bad. That right, right, is what right. some people would call a democracy. Right. Obviously, the people— We already have a system, however, where, <laughs> where what most people want— has no impact on whether or not it will get passed legislatively. Right. That's called the Senate, right? right? Well, just called just American politics and the impact of wealth. So, you know, even if we had a national popular vote, you might see a tiny tick toward what the people want being heard, but it wouldn't really suddenly become the but, president's going to deliver because he needs all the votes. But there's another there's another aspect that I don't think everybody's thought through, and that's the fact that right now, because of our electoral college system, it allows the winners of presidential elections to kind of ignore states that never vote for them, right? So, like, Joe Biden could—he doesn't because he tries to be a good guy about this, but Joe Biden could ignore Texas, could ignore Alabama, could ignore Mississippi because he's never going to win Alabama and Texas. I mean, our Democrats always think they're just one election away from winning Texas. Woo. But, you know, we're not going to win Texas, right? And he could just ignore it, right? Conversely, when a Republican wins, what did Trump do? He could just ignore California, just ignore he, New York. And he, New York, did, he did ignore those yeah. states. He, he, he painted those states as villains. Yeah. Do you know the state that gave Trump the most raw votes when he ran for reelection in 2020? 
Just the most California. So if he was in a national popular vote situation, he would have had to care about California because even if he lost California, there are millions and millions and millions of votes to be picked up in California. I mean, losing California would have no meaning because it it just every vote in California matters. It would be a lot. It would, well, you you get the the goal would be to not get blown out in California. But just but just each vote would matter. I mean, how, as a New Yorker, I feel and I am disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really it doesn't really matter. New York is going to go blue every presidential election, every senatorial election, pretty much. So I mean, like it doesn't really matter if there was a popular vote. It would matter. My vote would matter more. Yep. Yep. And but see, this thing. And your vote in Rhode Island would matter more because it would matter. And your vote in Rhode Island would matter just as much as my vote in Westchester. Like it would, it would matter the same. You know what I would also like to see? This is a little off the constitution, but why does Iowa, nothing against Iowa. Why does Iowa always get to start? Why does New Hampshire always get to go second? Why does South Carolina always get to go through? Should this not rotate around to different uh, states, uh, you know, and, and we, there's nothing stopping us. Like the electoral college, there is a mm. barrier to stopping that. You said we may get past that, but there's, there's nothing stopping the democratic party or the Republican party could decide we're going to start in Arizona this time. We're going to start in Florida this time. Why wouldn't you start in Florida? Just for one, a true potentially pur- purple state, right? That seems much more of a thermometer or an Ohio, much more of a thermometer. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing, there's nothing specific about Iowa that, I mean, Iowans, I've talked to them about this. I'm the sort of person who would go to Iowa and be like, why should you guys get to start? And they get very tense and they're like, (laughs) well, we care deeply about politics. We, we are, we are fully formed in terms of we are ready to, to receive them, to go yeah. to these tiny events. And so we know how to shake their hands when there's 10 of them and there's 10 of us at the barbecue and what have you. And other states could do that given the- year. We could do an Olympics. We could surely get ready for 10 or 15 candidates coming into the state for a month. The best argument I've heard for starting with small states is that it's cheaper. And that it allows candidates with low funding to get in there, get a foothold without having to raise millions and millions and millions of dollars. But it doesn't have to be Iowa. Which, There's right, many look, I, small states. Right, there are lots of small states that are more diverse. South Carolina, pretty small, way more diverse. Maybe we could start there, right? There, there are lots of other options. But watch how I'm going to bring them back to my book. Watch. See. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, but what you're really talking about here is one is another one of our constitutional failures. And that failure is the inability of the founders to have predicted political parties. The constitution is written by people who did not want there to be parties, did not think there would be parties and spent most of their lives railing against partisanship. And so there are no structures within the Constitution to protect us from partisanship, to protect us from political parties, and to put rules and bounds around what the political parties can and cannot do. You see that most obviously in the issue of gerrymandering. How is it possible that you write an organizing document for government that gives no rules 
on how the districts are to be drawn. None. No, no rules about what shape they have to be or how they have. No, all you have to, all they say, all the constitution says is that each congressional district should represent about 30,000 people in the initial, like it was got changed for a while and then whatever. But like, it was like, it has to represent about this many people. Doesn't tell you how you have to pick those people who gets to the side. No constitutional language about that because these idiots who wrote the constitution thought that there wouldn't be political parties. How stupid were they? And that is a nightmare that we have been trying to wake up from our entire our entire life as a nation. Let's do something because you keep bringing it back to your book, which is very smart. It's very good. Very good for authors to note that the man is like a politician that he keeps bringing. But like, I want to talk about the book because this book about the fucking Constitution, which most people are not sitting around dying to talk about is blowing out uh, on Amazon, Woo. right? Like you're, you're, you're top 12 on Amazon? Top 12 on the New York Times. Top 12 on the New York Times, selling out of Amazon. So what have you done as an author that has made this a commercial success when the subject, I, I, I don't think anybody thought this as a subject, right, would be a commercial. So what are some things that you've done that other authors can do to make their books? And, you know, and I ask them 100 percent self-interested, although any <laughs> author listening should be able to learn from the steps you've taken. I have an expertise. And the way that I show that I have an expertise in the in terms of talking about yes. the law. And so I have a, like, yeah, I have a, I have a legal background. I know I know expert hidden knowledge, if you will. Right. But the way that I show that I have the expertise is to explain my expert knowledge in ways that people can understand. And that is that is the special sauce, right? The the law, the constitution, these 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 concepts that we're talking about, I'm not gonna say they're not complicated, right? They're they're a little bit complicated. They're not beyond the reach of most humans, all right? I don't have to complicated explain how sub- to Complicated subject explained in a way that the average person can can deal with. And far too many lawyers, exactly. Far too many lawyers, they use, they hide behind jargon. They use these really technical terms because it makes them sound smarter. But the way to do it is to not use those technical terms and explain it to people where they are. I don't dumb down the constitution. I don't dumb down any of of these legal arguments. I assume that people are smart and can follow along if I explain it correctly. And so I spend all of my writing time, a lot of my editing time, I've spent that on trying to figure out how to explain this to people where they are. I'll use analogies, I'll use jokes, I'll use curse words, I'll use whatever tool I have to try to get you to understand what the law is doing because I believe in my heart that if more people understood what the, what the law was and what Republicans were doing to the law, more people would be outraged by it and more people would try to change it. Uh, okay, but part of the story of a commercial <laughs> okay, success- Okay, no, no, glad, glad you have a- uh, <laughs> No, 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 you, you know, the, 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 no, the, the, the writing is clear and you've taken a, a subject, again, that most people do not sit around talking about. Most people are not sitting there going, God, I wish I had a book that, that demystified the constitution. <laughs> Right. So part of the story is what he does at the computer, or you're probably a typewriter guy. No, I'm a computer. <laughs> Come on. I'm not that I'm, old. I'm trying so. to troll you. Uh, but part of the story happens shortly after you finish the galley. What have you done uh, in, in, in the weeks since you've stopped writing 
that have helped make this thing fly? Well, you, you, you tie it to what people are experiencing, right? Like obviously I'm not writing, I'm not writing in a vacuum and I'm not writing from on high. I'm trying to get in there and explain to people why, how the conservatives are about to take away abortion rights. I have a whole chat, like literally I have a whole chapter in the book called the abortion chapter where I explain abortion rights to people, which just at the moment is kind of a big thing, right? I, I try to explain why and how conservatives are taking away voting rights. These, these, uh, I have three chapters in the book devoted to police brutality. Um, th- these are, these are issues that are in the news and are in people's minds. These are not, um, these are not uh, esoteric issues to people. They're real issues to, to people. And I try to explain, and you know, since I stopped writing, I've tried to explain how what I'm trying to explain in this book is going to help people be armed to understand what's happening in our country. Is there... A first serial placement? Is there a media placement? Oh, you're talking about the real nuts and bolts of it, right? Well, also also that. Were you on Howard Stern? I mean, The View helped, but like... So so nuts and bolts-wise... I've sold this book mainly through my Twitter feed. Now my Twitter feed is what? my Twitter feed is, is You're 350, 350, which is not, you know, not a huge account, right? Not, I'm not Gabriel union, right? I'm not, I'm not John legend. Like, you know, I'm you 350 on Twitter. What are you on Instagram? I'm not on Instagram. Okay. Are so, you on another platform? I'm on Facebook, but only in the kind of, you know, so, so, so you, so how have you approached Twitter to sell the book? Well, what I've, well, I'm a, I'm an authentic person on Twitter. Yes, so, you are. Yes. I talk a lot about law and you know, my expertise. I follow you on Twitter. I don't feel like your feed has become a barrage of discussion of your book. Right? No, because but shouldn't you do that to help sell the book and no, raise awareness? No, that would turn people off. People don't, uh, people who follow you and you, know, you, you put, you point out, I try to point out the book once a day. That's enough for people. They get it right. They'll, they'll, if they're engaged in the discussions that are happening on my feed, they'll figure out soon enough that I have a book out and that they might want to read it. Right. So one of the things is that, yes, I try to be an authentic person. The second thing that I notice a lot of people don't do is that I will respond to people who ask me questions not all of them. I can't possibly respond to everybody, but you know, in a threat, it, you know, my little rule, and it's very you know, rule of thumb. But like, if I have a thread that gets over a hundred, over fifteen hundred likes, I will make sure that I respond to at least one or two people in that thread about a question they had about it. Like, you're going to engage with the thread, something that I said or something, some opinion I had. I'm going to go into the into that thread be like, Hey, random person. I don't know. You asked me a question. Here's my answer to it. Sometimes I will engage with a troll in that thread. Sometimes I, I am not, I'm not better than anybody else. These trolls hurt my feelings too. And sometimes I will raise one of them up just to smack them down. (laughs) It's fun to have a useful idiot to beat up. (laughs) I don't, I'm not above that. I'm not, I'm not above showing that I'm smarter than this goddamn idiot, right? I will do that, right? That makes my feed engaging. So the engagement right? of talking to individuals is important. Exactly. So, the, so my Twitter feed is engaging. That's really helped the sell, sales only, of my book. You're only mentioning your book once a day. Maybe tw- I mean the last like couple of days, probably twice. But you know, twice. I, 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 it's not. It's not a barrage of. You know, I might. I, I might retweet other people mentioning my book. Sure. Right. But yes, like, that's typical. Right. But me just like saying something and I'm once a day, twice, maybe. 
Because otherwise, because then it, that's all did people you, need to see. Did you get a, a New York Times serial or I'm review? Waiting, or? I'm waiting for the New York Times review. I really hope they do review the book. That would help. I really hope that the Washington would be huge. Post reviews the book. That would help. That I really hope big. the National Review reviews the book because they'll hate it and that will help. Um, so I'm hoping for all those things. They haven't happened yet. Has there been a, a Colbert, a Trevor Noah? Um, not on Colbert. Howard Stern? Not on, on Joe Trevor. Joe Rogan? I got on the, because remember Tori, like I do a lot of TV. You've seen me do a lot of TV. A lot. Well, the past few weeks I've been off TV because there's like a war in yes. Europe. Yes. I'm, I'm not, a, yeah, I'm not Malcolm Nance. Yeah, you're on, oh, <laughs> we love Malcolm Nance right? on this I'm show. A, you have been on Joy Reid a lot historically. Historically, but not the last- Not recently. Not, not, not since the book's launched. I have not been on Joy. I was supposed to launch the book on Joy, um, on Joy Reid's show, like the day, pub, yeah. pub day, but yeah. I got bumped from For, Ukraine. Yeah. Which is understandable. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not bitter or anything. It's, 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 Putin. I just, I, I see how- I would totally punch Putin in the face if I could, but like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not bitter. But, you know, so, yeah, so I've been off of the cable. I was able to get on The View, which helped a lot. The View moves books. and The View moved a lot of books. Moved, the View moved a lot of books. Sunny Hostin read the book, which was great. And, like, well, part of our conversation, she actually highlighted chapters that she liked. That, so isn't that was, it so that exciting huge. when the interviewer has read the book? It's great. It's, it's amazing. You can tell. And I, it's I, possible. You can totally tell. Right. It, right. You can totally tell. I've been the interviewer and I've read the book and I thought, I wonder if this author can tell that I actually read the book. Of course you can tell. And now that I'm on the other side, like you can tell. A hundred percent with the, right. with the, with the interviewers, like, so in the fourth chapter <laughs> and you start going into this argument and you're like, Wow, you really read the book. Yep. Versus the interviewer's like, so tell me about your book. Right. Or just they'll say something and just like and you're thinking in your head, you're like, oh I answered you didn't that get to question. that chapter. <laughs> like, answer your question exactly. <laughs> right. So but Sunny, so Sunny had read the book, and that was super yeah. helpful. It's her for the, wheelhouse. For, for the right, uh, for the view. Um, but yeah, so the TV stuff has not been as big a part of my roll out as I had thought it was going to be before there was war in Eastern Eastern. And was there a big podcast? Um, There wasn't a big podcast, but I do a lot of little shows, right? So I do, so I do like, I do all the serious XM shows. I've done Mary Trump show that helped. Like, you know, I do a lot of shows. I don't, I've never been on like pod save America. I've never been on Joe Rogan. I, I think Joe Rogan's, by the way, if you can, Joe Rogan's ducking me. I've, Offered to go on Joe Rogan to explain to him some stuff about this constitution. I think he's ducking me. So there's that, but you know, never he, been on the, you're uh, not right wing enough for Joe. He doesn't, he, he doesn't want, he doesn't want the smoke. He doesn't want that smoke. <laughs> I'm challenging him. Right. I mean, like I, I'm literally like come at me, bro, but he doesn't want that. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Not everybody can handle it. Um, look, the 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 other Twitter's been the main Twitter's driver. been the main thing. Well, and the other thing that I think is helping is that it's you you said it so you said it right. Who want who's sitting there thinking about this these constitutional issues? Who's sitting there? I desperately need somebody to explain the constitution to me. Right. I think more than people think. I think in fact a lot of people want to understand the structure of our government better, especially at this moment, because everything is going wrong. Like every, like the, the things that we thought we could rely on, the things that the, 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 the guardrails that we thought we had, they're all going wrong and people want to know why. And so when I come up and tell you, because they were never there, because they were never as good as you thought it's, it's finding a resonance to, 
to what you're saying, January 6th, was it possible that Trump could have stolen the election? Is it possible that he could have refused to leave the White House and just remained in office in defiance of the vote? Anything that five Supreme Court justices want is legal. That's that's the it, it, there's a real politique to it. Um, uh, did you ever see a uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, Black Pearl? No, I missed that one. What? <laughs> oh, okay, you're fucking. <laughs> no, I'm not fine with you. I did not see Pirates of the Caribbean. You really no. did not see Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, I might have seen a piece of it here and there, but I did not sit and watch Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh no. my god. Okay, so you should. I've watch seen it. many Johnny Depp movies, but not that. This is one. like his actual good one. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not. Oh, gonna... this is the good one. <laughs> Get out of here. Empire of Caribbean, uh, Caribbean, Johnny Depp has this line to Orlando Bloom, and he says, um, there's what a man can do and what a man can't do, and that's all there is. And right now we live in a world where there is what the Supreme Court can do and what it won't do, and that's all there is. And so if the Supreme Court wanted Trump to be in power right now, he would still be in power right now. If the Supreme Court wanted to take away um, mask mandates, which they did, there are no more mask mandates, right? Whatever the Supreme Court wants to do right now, it can do because it has five or six, depending on the day, conservatives who are willing to do it. That's why we're going to lose abortion rights. That's why the Supreme Court in June is going to issue a decision that will most likely make it legal or at least possible to carry your gun on the subway like Bernie gets that's coming. They're just going to do that. I can't stop them because they, because Mitch McConnell stole a seat from Barack Obama. Totally. And then he got, then Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. So I can't stop them anymore. And so when you, when you ask, could Trump have taken, could Trump have, have, could the coup have succeeded? He had really terrible legal arguments. There's no way it should have succeeded. They were so terrible that even the Supreme Court found them to be off-putting. But here's the thing. Asking the Supreme Court to throw away votes that have already been counted is one question. Asking them to not count the votes at all, we're about to find out. Mm. So it seems like the most important, perhaps the most important moment in the near future of America will happen probably with the passing of Clarence Thomas, right? He's the oldest right-wing justice, right? And I'm not wishing his death. I'm just saying he's the, right? Is he not the oldest on the yeah, right? Yeah, but he's only 73. Correct. Breyer but, was 82, is 82. Correct. No, but I mean, I mean like, but he, he is per, perhaps, pro, I mean, like, you know, God only knows what will happen, but he's probably the closest to getting off the bench via the grim reaper. Right. And at that point, if, if a Biden or God forbid Kamala Harris or something like that, we have a democratic president and you have a chance to change the constitution of the court, that will be a massive battle. Meh. 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 If, if wouldn't that wouldn't that be where Republicans in the Senate would dig in their heels and say we will stop this train with everything that we have? Oh sure, but they but I mean we're we're at they'll we're at six three right now, man. If you flip one, you're still losing five four. 
The moment for all of this was, was when Antonin Scalia died. The moment for all of this to happen was in February 2016 when right. Antonin Scalia died. And the, and the lack, the, the fact that Republicans went to the mattresses then because that would have changed the balance right. of the court. Right. Republicans went to the mattresses. Democrats didn't. Here we are. You figure if uh, Hillary Clinton wins that um, election, um, uh, Merrick Garland is there instead of Neil Gorsuch and – Probably Kentaji Brown Jackson is there instead of Amy Coney Barrett when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes away. That's just how it is. Um, and the entire world is different. If we are in the here, – here's what I need liberals to understand. If we are at the point where we are just waiting for Clarence Thomas to die and hoping that he dies under the right administration as opposed to smartly retiring under a Republican administration, we have already lost. You're already talking about 10, 20, 30, 40 years of Republican control. Can the we Democrats not- have to – yes – can we add? Can we yes. add people? So yes. So why are we not doing that? That that is that is the point. The 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 solution to all of this is to add justices to the Supreme Court. Now there's a there's a bill from Mondaire Jones, a congressman. So my congressman is Jamal Bowman, who is awesome. But the congressman in the town next over to me is Mondaire Jones, who is also awesome. Um, Mondaire Jones has a bill to expand the number of justices on the Supreme Court. Let's go to thirteen. I think that's a fine bill. I don't think it's enough. My number is 29. We should add 20 justices. I'm, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? I'm I right. Know. I don't know. It's, 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 uh, no, no particular reason. It's the largest Supreme Court I've ever heard of. I don't see why not. It's, but I mean, like. The California, the, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, the lower court circuit that, cal- that covers California, Oregon, Washington State, Arizona, a couple others, Hawaii. How many justices, How many judges are on that? 29. It's not too big. I'm not saying it's too big. I'm just 20, 20 when we're used to nine for my whole life. And then suddenly we're going to go to 29. Here's the benefit. Here's the benefit of 29. There are two principal benefits. Well, three principal benefits of 29. One, people are so worried about Republican. If Democrats expand, the Republicans will expand. First of all, I don't care. Right. Like, cause it's not worse than what we have now. Right. Like if we're at, if we're losing six to three and then I make it 13 to six and the Republicans take back control and they make it 16 to 13. How is that worse? It's not, so I don't really care. But you add 20, that puts the bar for Republicans to come back a little bit higher, right? Like they got to, right? It just, it makes Why? It, because it makes You act it, like they're rational actors. They are no, not because rational it makes actors. It harder, because it makes it harder for Republicans to ever take, retake control of government. If you've got, if you've got a 29 person court, right? Because what Republicans need to retake control of government is that they would have to win votes, which the Supreme Court would make voting rights a thing for everybody, which makes it harder for Republicans to win. So just by having we are in a see, that's interesting, but we're in a structure where it seems unlikely for Dems to ever take a significant lead, a meaningful lead in the Senate. And very difficult for Republicans to ever take a meaningful lead in the House. Let me let me do some things about gerrymandering and I can fix the House thing. Right. Well, me, the house is. I mean, we don't. We don't have. We as the lefties don't have a problem in the house. Let, let me. Do, well, we have a problem in the, in in the Senate. Let me let me unleash voting rights. Let me let me make everybody eligible to vote. Let me empower black people to vote in the South, and I will show you how to turn Mississippi into Georgia, and Georgia into North Carolina, and North Carolina into Virginia, and Virginia into New York. 
That's what I need to do those, make those changes are voting rights. So I'm not, and by the way, and the last thing with that is that I'd also then make DC a state and Puerto Rico a state if they wanted. And that gives me other, so I'm not giving up on the Senate. If you give me the Supreme Court, I can fix the Senate, right? That's number one. Number two, 29 justices. Tori, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't know as a family program, right? But if you think about it this way, um, people say they want moderate decisions, right? People say they want mainstream decisions from the Supreme Court that follow the law. All right. Well, if I've got to get me and my five buddies, as we have right now in this nine-person Supreme Court, if I just have to convince five people where we're going to go out to dinner, we, we might go out. We might end up at Thunder Down Under. We might end up at the club. I don't even know what that we, is. <laughs> we, we might end up at some places, right? If but I to have get to 15, 15 or 20 people, people 15 together, people to agree with you. We're going to go to Applebee's. <laughs> I mean, we're going to go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> like, that's what happens. And sure. In a larger group, sure. Right? Sure, sure. So if you have to get a majority based on 15 justices, that's just going to be a more mainstream center mass decision just because trying to herd 15 cats together sure. is a lot more difficult than trying to herd, herd five. So if you say that you want more moderate, more mainstream, less extremist positions from the Supreme Court, give Look, me more judges. A larger group I of, can make those decisions. A larger group of people. Right? Yes. And the third reason is that I'm not I'm not blind to politics here, right? So like I I have my bill. Let's say I've got Manchinema on board. That's all I need, right? And so now I've got um uh so now I've got 20 more justices that I'm going to put on the court. Then I go to Mitch McConnell and be like, "You want to share? You do this. You give me Republican votes for this, and we will split these judges 10-8." <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to get two back because I'm going to get back for the Garland shit. That's never, that was wrong. And I'm going to get you back for the Amy Coney Barrett. Right? So it's going to be, so I'm going to have an advantage here, right? But of the 10, you, I'll take six, you take four. Of the 20, I'll take 11, you take nine. Let's go, Mitch. Because your, your, your alternative is I'm going to put 20 of my fierest, breathingest, crazy liberals on this court and see if you can beat me. Because that's your, that's your, you say they're not rational actors, and maybe they're not, but Mitch McConnell or at least some Mitt Romney, some of them might take that deal. I give you 20 justices. You're going to have 11. I'm going to have 11. You're going to have nine, and we can all get together and figure out which of those 20s people are so maybe you can keep Justice Ellie Mastal from getting on the court. Maybe you can – right? Like maybe that that that's – politically speaking, that's at least an olive branch. So – Adding more just a lot more justices gives you the potential for a political compromise, gives you more moderate decisions, and makes it harder for Republicans to ever come over the top of you again. The right number is 29. Thank you so much to Ellie for a great conversation, and thanks to you for listening. Torrey Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torrey and on Instagram at Torrey Show. Torrey Show is written by me, Torrey, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editors, Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington and Nick Carp. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down.
We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. 